Hello everyone, welcome back to the Cobcast. I am really glad if you're listening to this, because most likely if you're listening to this, you made it through the opening and you decided to come back for more. So I I got you roped in, I think, if you are here. We're going to talk about, this is kind of, I could say it's, it's opener part two if you wanted, um, because it's it's kind of addressing more about the uh, what we're doing in this podcast. I'm laughing to myself because the name, the title, as you already know when you click play, the title is What Are We Doing Here? Um, so in my podcast and the bigger picture, um, titled What Are We Doing Here? Because that's kind of, I guess, the an overarching theme. It's either arching or arcing. I'll get back to you about that one. The theme um, in my podcast is going to be what are we doing here? The idea of, well, you can break that down a lot of ways, but us human beings on this rock hurtling through nothingness, what are we doing? That's like, it's just the premise. Um, I have to I have to plug it. Um, I haven't even seen the whole thing. I need to, I need to go look at it. But uh, Pete Holmes has a special that's Pete Holmes. Great guy. Great guy. Love him, admire him. But uh, he has a special... Um, I don't know the name of it, so I'm doing a terrible plug here, but I just saw him retweet it, and uh, I-, I thought of it. So he was talking about how like nothing makes sense, and we just accept it. Like I think that's hilarious, and we run into that all the time. Like He was talking about like the atoms that make up our body and the stool, and we're on a rock flying through nothing, but like, it's just wild. Um, the more you study about science, the more that you learn, the more you learn that you don't know. Like, we know so little. Um, so we ask a lot of questions. Since we know so little, um, it see, that's interesting about humans. It seems like even though we, we know so little, uh, that doesn't beat us down. It, it, like, inspires us. It gives, like, you know, when we think about all that we know, goodness, the human body, all the different systems of the body, um, we're just now getting into DNA and discovering all the interesting things that can be done with that. But then there's so much that we don't know. And when you contrast with like, you know, we, we know a lot about the ocean, marine biology. I actually wanted to be a, a marine biologist in fourth grade, but we know a lot about the ocean. If I started listing things, I, I probably wouldn't do a great job because I don't know as much as marine biologists, but just we know so much about the ocean but then somebody's like yeah four percent you're like whoa as much as we know which like how do you know we only know four percent of the ocean that doesn't quite make sense but anyway yeah i think it's up to like five now but i know that's like a guesstimation because you can't say like if you don't know that 95 percent, then you don't know that it is 95 percent. really tough to wrap your head around that one that is what we're gonna be that's where we're going to sink into in, in these podcasts is just brain bending things like that. And then sometimes we'll just talk about like not as intense things. It's not always going to be uh, extremely esoteric. Like I said, um, sometimes we'll talk about I'm, I'm going to do a whole lot of cannabis podcasts because I love cannabis. And I mentioned in the last episode about my destroyed stomach and how I bleed and grow things, and how you're not supposed to do that in your tummy or really anywhere else. No, you do. You, you grow cells always, but my cells grow too quick. Anyway, 
cannabis. That's how I take care of it. It's how I don't puke blood. So, uh, good stuff there. Love me some devil's lettuce. Um, we're going to do it all, guys. We're going to do it all. But let's go ahead and hop into this one. I have a notebook today. So, um, I kind of wa- I didn't want to, like, say, hey, guys, and then just, like, push you right down the steps. I wanted to give you a little bit of time, have a little bit of verbal foreplay. I should not have done that one. I'll get some feedback on that. Um, uh, just just warm up. I, I know on a lot of podcasts that I listen to, they'll like plug so many things, and they'll be like, I'm doing this and this and this and this, but I, I'm not, so I don't have things to plug. I just want to ease you in, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive into the ideas of I guess, like, the ideas of this episode and the ideas of this podcast. Um, I'm going to do a throat clear, get some water, and we'll dive into it, friends. <coughs> oh, man. Love refreshment. It is refreshing. So, what are we doing? That's that's such a such a big question, and it was, like, purposefully big because... I don't want to be like too uh, too narrowed down by anything. Like I always want to have the opportunity, regardless of who it is. I can be like, "Oh, you have a cool story. Come tell it on my podcast in any way you want." Um, you know, as long as nobody's saying some racist shit or something, I'm not going to have an Alex Jones on my. I've always wondered, like, with Joe Rogan, with somebody so famous like him, like if he he clearly didn't with Alex Jones, but like vetting somebody, be like, "Hey, are you going to?" you going to say crazy shit? Am I going to have to edit this a lot? Um, I don't edit, so maybe I will in the future. But I, uh, I want to keep my, my podcast broad, talk about all types of things. But we'll, uh, we'll kind of explore. Ooh. <clears throat> you know, sometimes when you're talking, and boy, this is a phenomenon. You can't put words to it. You're talking, and suddenly it feels like there's like a lightning strike in your throat. It's just all pulled right out of you. It's it's awful, and you can't take uh, you you can't speak. That's what just happened to me. That's why I I went mute for a second. So I wasn't like I, I like I said I wrote down a bunch of notes so that I have like something to go off. Hopefully I can look back and stay pretty um, in tune, but. I wasn't quite sure how I wanted to dive into this, but kind of partially by, like, I'll tell, like I said earlier, I'll tell some stories. Um, some of them will be stories about my life because I do want it to be personal. It's the Cobcast. And uh, we'll tell personal stories of other people's lives when they come on. But I find fascinating stories of the past. Obvi- I mean, any story is a story of the past, but uh, except for the one we're making right now which will eventually be a story of the past. I shouldn't have gone down that hole. Um, So stories, I'm interested by stories. That's where I'm going, is that I'm interested by stories. And uh, I, who was that? I'll get the name wrong, but it was a great quote. Heard it today, should have written it down. But it was, uh, stories are how we understand the universe and ourselves. And I was like, hey, that's really interesting because people use stories to explain everything. And for some reason, the brain just respond so well to stories whether it's like i can recognize myself within that or i can 
recognize someone else. I mean, it's the same thing with a TV show. They're telling a story, and when you watch it, you get connected with characters because of the connection in real life. Like, I'm sure if you thought some shows you like, like, everyone does it. They'll say, uh, I didn't even watch Friends, but they'll say, oh, Ross is so like my friend blah, 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 or, oh, my friend blah, blah, blah is such a Chandler. It's, you know, they it wouldn't be that interesting to watch a TV show if you had no relation to all these characters. Like, they were alien-type characters, non-human, you just couldn't relate to them. So, stories are cool, and I'll tell some stories. Um, got a couple stories tucked in here. Um, I was gonna... Oh, yeah, that's a great intro. Uh, I just needed to look at my notes for two seconds and I can figure out my intro. I wanted to talk about, like, some, like, who, what, who and what will I be talking about while I'm talking about what we're doing here. Like, my background, my influences, what my sources will be and such. Um, I like it all. (laughs) I like it all, really. Um, I like Taoism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity. I like... Uh, the word Christianity makes me prickle though it might make you prickle too but just because of the way I was raised in it and I know for some people in some regions of the world Buddhism would get a poor reaction to them as well Um, but as the Dalai Lama said and this isn't this is the extreme extreme version taking to its most extreme lengths but um he was being interviewed by a really nice lady. I was watching it a couple months ago, and he said, uh, she asked him some things about religion and terrorism, like we should just do away with it. All it uh, does is people killing people in the name of God. And uh, he had a great reply. He just simply said that uh, a Hindu that kills is not a Hindu. A Buddhist that kills is not a Buddhist. And a Christian that kills is not a Christian. I was like, hey, this guy gets it. He seems pretty smart. Um, Can't just put the label on your forehead and suddenly it's true. Um, So all types of books. There's great stories in the Bible um, if you approach it in the right way. Because, uh, well, that's that's a good good little section we can dive down. Um, I think when you talk about the Bible, it gets this instant reaction because... I mean, words are powerful. It's it's interesting how how powerful words are. Um, the thing about right now, I hate to do this, and I won't. I probably won't do it again. But coronavirus, like ugh, the amount of associations with that. Literally the other night, my I'll stop after this. My wife turned on the TV. It was the first word. Whenever she turned on the TV, was coronavirus. It's just so annoying. Like, let it go. I'm tired of hearing it because we have all these associations with it. Um, the Bible is a very similar way. When you say, I'm relating the Bible to coronavirus, I suck. Um, when you say something about the Bible, like the instant reactions, and I've had them too, so I completely understand and relate to them. People are like, it's an old book, it's outdated. Um, people think it fell from the sky and uh, that the earth was made in six literal days when days were created on the third um the bible has been used to kill people the quran has been used to kill people yes that is absolutely true and valid that you can take and abuse anything um you know all things in moderation i guess 
but uh, if if you inhale water, then you're gonna die because we don't inhale water, we drink it. And people who killed because of the Bible or the Quran or because of God, they inhaled water. They didn't drink water, they inhaled water. They were doing it wrong. Um, and there's also some less forms than actually like killing people because of the name of religion and because of, uh, I guess you could say religion, spirituality. Uh, there's a couple words for it. Um, Alan Watts gives a, gives a real good list of the current words that people use. I mean, he's unfortunately passed, but of words that people use for uh, religious, spiritual, enlightened, uh, non-neurotic, uh, all those things. A lot of people point to the negativity that's come from it. I choose to see the positivity of it. Um, and if you want to see it too, maybe we can explore that. That's some of what I'll do. But uh, important notes about, because specifically, like, while I say I look at all religions and all ancient texts and all the, the rabbis, the Sufis, the mystics, the uh, fathers, the saints, whoever it is, like, if it's true, I'll listen to them say it. Um, and we'll dive into that later. But it's, I, I, I just don't want to, uh, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> going to one place, but Jesus said uh, we have many teachers. Uh but I like to look at a Bible in a, the Bible in a certain way, and that's part of what I'm going to break down in this episode. Hopefully, I'll have enough time to do it. Um, I wanted to talk some about my source. Like uh, I was raised in that uh, in that tradition, in the Christian tradition, so that's what I appeal to a lot while living my life. Um, but I appeal as well to to Buddhism. Hinduism. My, my thing about Buddhism is the West has us, we are the West, we have a tr uh, troubling tough time accepting things about Buddhism because of the language that it uses. Um, it's, it's definitely like it, it kind of needs to be translated even when you read it in English like you read emptiness. No, I want to be want to be full like every other everything Westerns like full of life, full of happiness. And then Buddha's like, no, let go of all of it. You have nothing. You're nothing. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But, you know, uh, I think a lot of them are saying the same thing. But we can uh, disagree. We can agree. We can dive into it. That's what's more fun than agreeing and disagreeing is diving in and just engaging with what's said. So I'm going to uh, circle around to after I did all that ranting. I needed to mention that Christianity is typically what I draw on. Um, I, I don't like, I don't call myself a Christian because that word is, uh, when people say I am a Christian, they're putting on a sports jersey. And typically, they're saying that to someone who doesn't have the sports jersey on. They joined a team, they are, uh, they're saved, they're redeemed, they're, they're something that another person isn't, and I'm not on board with that whatsoever. It's not in the Bible anywhere. Um, but let's, let's explain how I view the Bible, how I view Christianity, how I view religion, all of those things. I'm mainly, I'll tell you, I'm going to stay on Christianity today um, with some slightly secular spirituality, but um, I want to explain my, my view of the world through the Bible. And uh, 
I guess not strictly the Bible because I'm I'm gonna get into I'm gonna get into it. Let me just go into it. Bible. So any book has an author, an editor, and a narrator. And there may be more pieces to it. You know, I could Google like the intense English breakdown of uh how we write and the, the process and the different um, parties in the writing process, but author, editor, narrator, from talking in the context of the Bible, this is, uh, it's, it's a bit different. So first of all, let's say this, let's say that we need to recognize the Bible is a, is firstly a collection of books because, you know, there's all the names in the Bible, like some really weird ones like Hosea and st- I, I mean, if your name's Hosea, that's great. But in the Bible, uh, they do have some like lamentations that sticks out. Um, it's uh, the Leviticus, some weird sounding names, but they're books. Those are books that had a purpose. And for a lot of them, we'll dive into why and what they were talking about because it's insanely relevant today. Um, these humans that lived 2,000 years ago lived on the same earth and had the same interactions that we did. Um, they also had some that we didn't. But we can see our humanity in other humans, and uh, I feel like often when we do it with right now, that's just like uh, it's news and drama. You know, we're, we're looking at a celebrity or politician, somebody who's in the spotlight right now, and if we're like learning from that, it seems a little more like drama. Whereas with history, it's like these things are kind of set down already. Um, the word's been said by them, whether it's by a historian or uh, passed on orally and then eventually transcribed by a, a tribe or a nation. Um, there are books in each of these books in the Bible. I'm plugging in my phone so that I hope the volume doesn't change too much. But the books in the Bible are written by people. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Written by people. There are authors and it would be really silly to say that people don't have agendas. Like I have, I have an agenda and a bias with with most everything. I, I hope to name most of my biases, biases, um, in this podcast before we touch into a topic. Like I, I, I will never claim to not be biased. I don't know if there's some weird thing you could dig out of there, but uh. These, these authors are biased as well. Um, if you look at the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they typically open, depending on what version of the Bible you have, they'll open literally saying, um, you know, my, I'm writing to give an account of, and they, they kind of say their bias and their agenda, like at the beginning, this is what I'm trying to do here. And you can see it like leak out the rest of the story. Um, Matthew is talking to a, a Greek audience, so he has a lot of Greek references. Um, no, Matthew was talking to a Jewish audience, forgive me. And uh, no, Matthew was talking to a Greek audience. It was uh, Mark that was talking to a Jewish audience. So uh, these people have agendas, and we have to keep that in mind whenever we are reading the books. Think about what the agendas are, but that's really what pulls out the humanity is whenever we look at the agenda and figure out, oh, they were, you know, this thing that sounded weird as hell to me because I'm not uh, a first century Jew. I, I couldn't understand this. I couldn't relate to it whatsoever. So um, 
whenever you figure out who it was written to and how they would have heard it, you can figure out uh, a little more of what it's saying. Also, so that's that's a little bit of it. I don't get hung up too much on author. I just want to see what's there, you know? Um, whatever the story is, I'm not looking like, you know, well, who, who published this? I don't trust this. I just want to read and then see uh, see what I can see. So the more important thing is books have an editor. Author, editor, narrator is what we're going over. Books have an editor. And um, a lot of people, for some reason, gloss over that with the Bible. If you ask uh, a lot of people, like, hey, what uh, what's the... What, who is the editor? You know, the Bible, the, the, I think they say it's the most popular selling book. I don't know. That just kind of seems like somebody's like just trying to put steroids in Jesus's butt. I don't, it's just, it's only evangelicals that are touting that. It's the Bible's the most sold. Nobody sold more books than the Bible. Jesus is selling all these books. I just, it, it seems gross. Whatever. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I thought the Gideons give them out. That's not selling. Editor, who was it? What? Why? Uh, ask a lot of people who say, I love the Bible. I just love Jesus and my personal relationship with Jesus. And the Bible's so great. Who put it together? There will be the silence that you just heard. It will be a lot of silence. Most of the time, I'm not saying no one knows anything. Most of the time, people do not know who edited the Bible? Because all of those books that I mentioned, the 66 books, those had to be written down, first of all, because a lot of this stuff was oral. People carried on the tradition orally. So it had to be written down. And then after these books were written down, somebody had to say, which 66 get into the Bible to make this big library of books that we call the Bible? The Bible is a library of books. Calling it a book isn't like wrong. That's 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 a, a dumb way to label it. It's calling it wrong. It's just I'd say maybe missing the point because if you single out the Bible, like it does tell a story from beginning to end. So I I appreciate that in the editing process. But to pretend like the idea of like you know people act like I don't think many people would say it fell from the sky, but acting like it fell from the sky, uh, you don't ask the question of who's the editor. Well, the editor was a whole bunch of councils, and we won't go too thickly into it, but basically a group of people, human beings, met in uh, 4 500 AD around that time, Council of Nicaea and Council of Trent, if you wanted to look into it. Uh, Nicaea was the Bithynian city um, that is now, I will butcher this, I apologize if any Turkish friends are listening, you can make fun of me. Iznik, Turkey, that is a... Uh, the Council of Nicaea, which was very popular. They basically decided, among other things, um, there were, all these different councils were deciding on different things. But my point being, people got in a room. A couple people got in a room and decided, these are the books that are going to go in. These are the books that are going to go out. We're not going to let these books in. For whatever reason, no need to dive into that right now. We're just laying the framework for there is an editor. Um, some books that didn't make it into the Bible, but are still, it's weird because I'm like, why are they so close? Well, it's because people did say, no, those won't, those won't go in. And then there were other people that wrote that down, you know, as part of history, this book didn't go in. And, uh, you can probably, if you wanted to, I don't, 
figure out some uh, religious studies why they didn't go in. But just an example, the Book of Enoch, uh, the Book of Wisdom, First and Second Maccabees book that didn't make it into the traditional Bible. So <clears throat> it's important to note, authors have agendas, editors have agendas. Um, not always bad. Agenda isn't always a bad thing. Like I said, I have an agenda in making this podcast. I want to talk about what are we doing here? 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 All types of flavors. So, uh, an interesting, so I, I talked about author, editor, author, <laughs> the author and the editor. And, um, that's, that's, that's fairly important. And then we get to the narrator, which is us. We narrate it. And, uh, if, if you think about different people reading this by, like once upon a time, the, the, like we said, the author was writing to an audience. Once upon a time, the audience was the narrator. Um, so as we narrate it, what are the differences? There's typically a lot. Um, I don't sacrifice goats. So there's definitely a difference between narrators and that's something that we'll dive into as well. It's everything that I say, I'm just going to be like, next episode, next episode, next episode. And that way I don't have to play an episode. I'm like, just listen to my last episode. Oh, there's the juice. So <clears throat> something that's very, I, I'll always say something that's interesting. Because why would I talk about it? Why would I bring it up on the podcast if I was like, I heard this really boring thing today. Unless it was so boring that it was interesting. Um, when, if you think about like Sunday church, which I, it makes me crawl out of my skin. I don't want to either. But if you think about Sunday church, uh, 2000 years ago, it was not like it is today, a lot different. And, uh, one of the biggest differences was it's, I, I know that, you know, all these things, but when you get them, when they all get sent to you, like, oh, the Bible has an editor. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the printing press wasn't made till 1436. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's a long time. Like having your own Bible was not a thing at all uh, before 1436, basically. Um, credit to the Chinese, maybe the Mongolians, I think it was, ninth century. They were playing around with some metal binding. So they were a little bit ahead of uh, Johann I don't want to say Gutenberg. I don't think that's right. I didn't put his name down. He's not so important. He he, he made the printing press. Uh, commercialized. Basically made something people can replicate. And then with their replicated model, they can replicate books. So before we had the printing press, before people just had books lying around, you had to literally write. You had to say, okay, let me look at this page. You know, a few words, and I'll put it down here, and I'll put it down here, and put it... It was obsessively long, and most villages only had, at the time, one Bible for the village. So, church was a very necessary thing, if you're going to hear about that Bible. It's at the church, and it only comes out on Sundays when the priest speaks from it. And something interesting, too, is... Since there was only one Bible, it was a lot more conversational. It wasn't uh, show up, make sure you're looking nice, or you'll get kicked out. And uh, I'll tell you the right thing to think about this. It was come in and hear this story about humanity, and then we'll talk about it in, in our current humanity now, the differences, the um, 
the, what's the what's the opposite of differences? Uh, similarities, the differences and similarities that we share between them then and us now. And then as well as, um, back then the law was so important. If you look at the early Torah, which Jewish boys memorized by like age 10, first five books of the Bible, it's a lot of reading there. Um, most people holding one haven't read the first five books. That's a lot. They had it memorized at age 10. And there's a lot of law in there. A lot of do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this like this, do that like that. And um, they they sometimes, as specific as it was, they would interpret the law. And they would be together as a community talking about, you know, how do we do these things right? How do we live in harmony with each other? Which I think, hopefully, we, we often think of. Um, Maybe we do a shoddy job of it sometime, actually practicing out living in harmony with each other, but we think about it a lot, like how can we do this? And I think that is the idea of, <clears throat> of politics, is humans, because politics is a gross word to most people, but it's, it's human relations, and like we're here, and we're together. We can agree that we're here, and we can agree that we're together. We want to get along. That might be where we disagree. <laughs> Um, hence the not getting along. That's just so funny. <clears throat> so, the printing press not being invented until 1436, it made it a much more communal view um, with the Bible. It was uh, a coming together and a sharing, a, a giving and taking, a flow, a dance. It wasn't um, people falling asleep while one person droned on about something that they may not even believe themselves. It was a real engagement with reality, with humanity. And I hope, I can just say it a whole lot, maybe I should do it, but I hope I can make my podcast somewhat like that, a, a real engagement with reality and humanity. And I choose to do that through the Bible and through other historical texts that the Bible says no to. So uh, we like it all here, except for bad things. We don't like bad things here. So, uh... Giving, giving you a little, oh, here's great. I was just looking through my notes. Here's, here is great. I was looking through my notes, and uh, I had a couple quotes and such, things that I was just like, well, that'll come up eventually. I'll pull that out. Um, it's a quote from a, a great guy. I said that I would try to always mention my sources, and I'll always name them and stuff, uh, drop a podcast name, a philosopher's name, a book that I read, whatever it is, I'll just, I'll quip it out, and um, hopefully if you have any interest, you can find it, or you can reach out to me if you're unable to. So Pete Rollins, Pete Rollins is a uh, Irish philosopher. He's great to listen to. I'm not saying go look up his quotes. I'm saying listen to Pete Rollins speak. He's got this nice Irish twang. That was an awful impersonation. He'd be angry if he heard it, but he has this wonderful definition of Christianity I heard the other day, which I don't fully agree with. I don't fully disagree with. I don't like, uh, we'll, we'll get into that because, you know, binary or dualism. But uh, a quote, let's just do a quote and then we'll talk about it later. Pete Rollins, Christianity is embracing our lack and brokenness, giving up the idea something will make us whole and complete, learning to live with unknowing slash doubt to bear the full range of our human emotions to find freedom from the pursuit of happiness. It's like, wow, that's that's interesting. Maybe one more time and I'll do it less stuttering. 
um, because whenever I first heard it, I was just like that. It's kind of weird because it's like it's like a roller coaster in just a couple lines. It's like I agree, disagree, I agree, disagree. Um, Christianity is embracing our lack and brokenness, giving up the idea something will make us whole and complete, learning to live with unknowing and doubt, to bear the full range of our human emotions, and to find freedom from the pursuit of happiness. Um, he, he can be mistaken. He can be a little bit abrasive, uh, Pete Rollins, at the, at the front end, but he's wonderful to listen to, and he gives a, a really focus, like right now. I want to live right now. We're all here right now. Um, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to look at a sorting system or a ticket system. I want to live right now and focus on the nowness because Jesus talked a lot about the nowness, um, not about when you die and where you go. Jesus talked about right now, and um, Jesus is pretty cool. We'll talk about that some. Uh, I know that can <laughs> that can sound like. A, like a, a youth pastor with some whitewashed jeans and some cool skulls on his button-down shirt saying, Jesus is cool, man. But, I mean, he is. Like, he's spitting a guy's eyes so he could see. What is that? He, like, God's idea is, let me spit in this guy's eyes. Um, is Jesus God? What a great idea for an episode. Um, so this idea that Pete brings up here is like the the learning to live. I think the the greatest part that I like is learning to live with unknowing and doubt, because that's something we do not like to do. We hate having like a lack of knowing, a lack of uh, certainty, and it's funny because even when we are certain, yeah, we're not. But we hate that that uncomfortable feeling it's like it's fear it's anxiety it's all of those things of unknowing and doubt it wouldn't it be great to just live with that like just to have it and it's like it's here because you just let me tell you that i first of all i don't know anything i'm not going to tell you anything special on this maybe that's a bad way to market my podcast but like i'm figuring everything out too don't think that i'm showing up making a podcast because i'm like i know guys i figured it out come listen to me I really, really don't. Um, it's I, I don't know how to get rid of the unknowing and doubt. I would say that what I do know is that we can't get rid of the unknowing and doubt. It's like just how you get comfortable sitting in it. You're just like, it's here, you know? Um, it's like a diaper. Oh, that's awful. It's a diaper that's never going to be changed. Um, that's really gross. I wrote down, uh, I, I put like, I just scribble a whole bunch and I'm like I'll, I'll look at that and I'll know what to say and I do um I, I, I wrote questions slash answers versus uncertainty uh questions and answers it's like we we always think like when there's a question there's an answer and if there's not an answer then we just you know wait a little bit of time get more science whatever it is and there will be an answer we love question and answer we love that format because it's like a, a build-up and a release. A build-up of inquisition, and then a release of that not knowing filled with knowledge. Like, that sounds good, but, I mean, that's why we like questions and answers. But that versus <clears throat> uncertainty, which we hate. We absolutely hate uncertainty. If you think about, like, uh, I mean, I'm married, so uncertainty in marriage, that's, that's not something I want to experience. Like, every single day when my wife comes home when i come home whoever's at home like it's always like 
like, uh, you know, middle schoolers who just got to school and, you know, they're like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in eight hours. I have to hug you and touch you, blah, 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 smell your hair, all those weird things. Um, that's how my wife and I are. So uncertainty, if she just was like, yeah, I just, uh, I, would, I would feel uncertain of love and that would, that would be something awful. Like, I guess, especially in the essence of love, uncertainty is like the worst thing ever. If you think about like a, a, a child's value to their parents and like how they're viewed by their parents. If that's in uncertainty, a lot of uh, spiritual uh, analogies here, but if a, if a child's worth to his parents is ever, un, or her parents, is ever in uncertainty, oh, the damage, the damage that does. I, I want to say I hope that you can see it, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it just, I wish I wasn't there. And when any kid is unsure of their worth, um, you know, like a, a parent, I would say it's an abusive parent, but a parent might say that they're stupid or that, you know, like, why, why would you try sports? You're just fat. Like those things, like I've heard parents just degrade their children in the worst of ways. And look, luckily that wasn't me. <laughs> I think my mom and dad might listen to this, but that's not why I'm covering my tracks. I just have to say that was not me. My parents were great. They didn't gas me up because I would not have appreciated that if they were like the parents that were like, you're so good, you're so perfect, everything you do is great. Like when I sucked, they were like, you suck. And then I wanted to get better, so it worked. Um, but uncertainty is like, it's definitely something we have. We like questions and answers. We have uncertainty. Uh, suck it up. You got what you got. No, play, the, play the hand that you're dealt. Um, learning to like kind of like I said get comfortable in unknowing and doubt and uncertainty being able to get comfortable in that ooh, that is then you'll be you'll you'll be off to the races by then and I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not like uh, you know by what basis do I know that um, I can get like blips of it just for a little while where it's like things are so chaotic and uncertain and the wave is 30 feet high and it's like, uh, oh, that's perfect. That meme of the, <laughs> showing my age, um, the meme of the, I think it's like a, a cartoon dog and he's in the house and everything in the house is on fire and he's just sitting at the table. He says, everything is fine. <laughs> like sometimes in life, all that shit's happening. And if you, if you ever experience like the ability, even if it's just once where you're like, no, I'm okay with it. It's all happening, and instead of trying to, like, control anything, I'm just okay with it, and I'm going to let it happen. Like, that, ooh, peak level, king, boss shit, all of those things. It is amazing, divine. <laughs> um, more water for me. So that was an idea. <laughs> just some of that, like I said, some of the ideas that we'll be exploring. Um, oh, great, I guess kind of like I, what I was saying about uncertainty, Alan Watts is this guy who kind of, like I said, uh, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, all of those have this tough transition from the east, east to the west because just the language and like uh, so many things that we do and how we live our lives and how we frame our worldview, those types of worldviews clash with us really instantly. Um, but Alan Watts is an amazing guy, wonderful, I guess you could say, 
I don't, I don't know, I don't like labeling people, but spiritual teacher, new age guru, whatever. Um, I say that with some reluctance because some people might gush up at that, but uh, he's not gushy. He's, uh, he's cool. Go listen to him. Um, he says, so I, there's this awful idea of faith and that like faith is just uh, blatantly ignoring science. <laughs> Basically, that's, that's how faith is often demonstrated. Like uh, when people say, hey, we're 13.8 billion years old here. And they're saying, nope, 6,000, 10,000 at the most. That's not faith. That's stupidity. So let's not get confused on, um, at least on this podcast, let's not get confused about uh, what faith is. I will explain what Alan said, and I'd say I, I agree with him a good bit. To have faith is to trust yourself to the water. When you swim, you don't grab hold of the water, because if you do, you will sink and drown. Instead, you relax and float. That's interesting because, like, um, obviously, like, that's the way you can't grab onto water. Like, you just try to grab it, just sit there like, oh, I got it. You're sinking straight on down. That that doesn't work. You can't, as soon as you close your hand, uh, I don't have to explain it. If you ever grab water, you know. Um, Deepak Chopra, love, I, I call it name dropping, but it's not like I was with Deepak Chopra the other day. Um, I'm just people that I like. Uh, Deepak Chopra says, um, I think it was that Pete Holmes had asked Deepak Chopra, or maybe it was, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Someone had asked uh, Deepak, I believe it was backstage, they were going to speak together. Uh, he said something about, like, how how do you experience happiness? What is happiness to you? Like, how do you get happiness? What is it that brings you happiness? And, um Deepak has this like mystical way of just seeing completely through the question and like reframe. I don't know. He's it's just super cool how he does things. But um, he could fully tell that the guy's coming up saying like the key, the answer, the secret. What can I get to be happy? It's like uh, I don't know, we could do an episode on the story of the rich man who came to Jesus and the cool way that Jesus did a little bit of spin on him and um, and how they talked about. You know, what do I need to do to inherit fullness of life, good teacher? That's uh, that's what this guy asked Deepak Chopra, basically, in our day and age. Um, back then, it was, a uh, good teacher, what, what may I do to inherit fullness of life, a very good life, in Olam Haba, in this life and the life to come, in both of them? Because some people don't care much about this life, but I do. Uh, Deepak tells this guy who asked him, you know, I just said, uh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life, which is olam habo, life now and life in the life to come. We get this confusing idea with eternal and we put a time on it. But uh, first century Jewish culture would see eternal as uh, more of a description of a feeling, like very good. This would be the modern, the, what this man asked Deepak would be a modern version of what the rich man asked Jesus. Um, he said, you know, like I said, what, what, what is happiness? How do I get it? And Deepak just got like a boss. I mean, because he is happiness in motion. Um, he said, happiness that is contingent on anything is just another form of misery. Wow. And I love to sit here and say, yeah, man, 
I love myself and blah, 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 and, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody, but, like, we totally, like, we're contingent on everything. I'm sure as hell contingent on this water in front of me. I gotta take a sip every few minutes or I about choke out just sitting on my couch. We're very contingent people. Uh, let me throw myself in the mix with that. We love, we love having our contingencies, but the more I, I look at it, analyze it, think about it, see it, in my, my life and others' lives, a happiness that is contingent on anything is another form of misery. Um, a good way kind of to put that, I guess, because like I said, we are contingent on so many things, to just say like, oh, go sit in a dark closet and never move again and you'll be truly happy. No, that's, that's not quite uh, where it is. But like to understand the idea of like <clears throat> uh, happiness is a, a tire and the air's like kind of always going to leak out because you don't get to just like pump it up. I know some people are like, Jesus filled me and the joy is there forever, etc. But that's completely objectively not true. You have to refill your pump. And there's, you know, I kind of liken it to uh, like service, serving others, what you can put into the world. You have to refill your own cup to pour out of your cup. Um, so that whole idea. Uh, you do have to refill your tire with things. The better those things are, better. Um, the more wholesome, like time with friends, time with family, time in nature, you know, filling your happiness with that, I believe is a much better idea. Here's my wife. You're on the podcast, babe. How feeling? I would be walking right into it. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to pause it. I was like, I'll just have her on. It's free form. Hi, podcast. Maybe one day you'll you'll sit here and give your opinions on Deepak Chopra. Maybe I will. You heard that. We have our first maybe I will for a podcast host. Uh, let's see how many more maybe I wills I can get. Put me in the books for the future. I'll put her in the books for the future. I already talked about you. All right, so uh, yeah, we, we we got past uh, we got past. But I wanted to mention because we got past Deepak Chopra and him him talking about happiness and contingency, uh, the tire idea, refilling the tire, um, having to refill the tire. Like I said, like if if I need to, I give you permission. Do refill your tire with contingencies. Like you can't just think real hard and like want to be happier. You got to refill that happy tire with things, not actual things. But experiences, I like to say people and experiences. Um, but whatever it is, make sure it'll last a whole lot of time. Um, the idea of the tire, though, where I got it from, uh, ties me into my next segment. Just some some great podcasts that I listened to that like formed this, like I say, I kind of tell a lot of my worldview since I was raised in a Christian tradition. I tell it through that. But um, these are like two great podcasts that kind of led me to this thought process as well. Um, it's, it's called The Happiness Lab by Dr. Lori Santos. She's wonderful. She's a Yale professor, and she did this class on happiness. I think it was for, I don't, it shouldn't have been for freshmen. Maybe it was, second semester freshmen, and um, basically the science behind happiness because uh, she always says in all of her episodes, like she'll start off with something bad, and then she says, but the good news is science has concrete tips that can help us improve our happiness. And like, that's true. Science does. And it's really interesting. Like, 
I'll piggyback off some of her episodes for a few of mine, but like, uh, like I said about our contingency, happy that's contingent upon something, people will get, um, she has a, this episode about uh, people who win first place. People who get gold in the Olympics. And there are people who have said the day that I won gold in the Olympics was the most depressing day in my life. And we won't quite dive into why. And meanwhile, the, the people at the silver on the second platform are like doing backflips off of it, screaming, crying, blowing kisses at their family. There's something there. We'll dive into it one day. And then uh, another one, I think this may have Christian themes. I don't even remember. Um, but Mastering Happiness by Dr. Joel Wade. I like to listen to doctors. Um, if it's, if it's uh, you know, secular science, whatever it is, uh, when it's very physical right here, Let's listen to doctors and scientists because they know what they're talking about most of the time. Dr. Joel Way is, is great. He, uh, he talks, talks a lot about like human connection and empathy. And um, I'll give you all a quick cheat code, though. Um, I think Dr. Joel Wade and Dr. Lori Santos both mention this um, in their podcast. They say, people always ask me when I tell them I'm doing a podcast about happiness. They ask me, what's the, give me the you know, top five, top three or the number one thing, give me anything I can do to be happier. That's what they always ask them. But um, they gave those those secrets in a blip. Like this, uh, this is like very short form, but in one sentence, if you want to be happy quickly, go do something for someone else. That is the equation for happiness for humans. Science backs it, spirituality, religion, ancient whatever. It's all saying do something for someone else. It's like it's saying, I don't know, what's a good way to put it? If I could just, if somebody asked me to sum it all up and I were a good teacher, what would I say? Oh, maybe love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule. Um, but that's not just like, well, I won't be a dick to that guy. Like, that's not how you love your neighbor as yourself. Like, actively loving your neighbor, serving somebody, that hits hard feels good so uh i had one more thing oh no i'm not gonna dive into that today that's a that's a bit out there i don't know guys i think uh at 50 minutes i may have oh i wanted to go into the dualism yep i caught myself before i ended it because i i talked about um questions and answers versus uncertainty which is dualism in and of itself i guess but um, something that I've been trying to do, because it's tough to do, um, I'll never put myself in the spotlight and say I'm doing anything well, because it's all tough to do, but um, to break down dualistic thinking, uh, to break down dualistic thinking, basically there's like, uh, there is good, there is bad, there is divine, there is diabolical, there is evil, there is righteous, there is my side, there is their side, um, there is the Republican, there is the Democrat, there is the white, there is the black, there is the up, there's the down, there's the left, there's the right. We're super dualist. We like to contrast things with what we believe, usually just what we believe to be their opposites. But <clears throat> Pete Rollins, back to him, has this... Uh, this great idea, you could look into it, but I'll definitely do an, uh, an episode of it. I was thinking I'm doing it for my third one because it's called Third Way Thinking. So what better third uh, podcast episode than Third Way Thinking? But basically, <clears throat> Third Way Thinking, it may be Buddhist, 
I'm not quite sure its origins, but it brings in uh, the first idea, the opposing idea, and then it uses those two ideas to form a new idea. It's it's not an oppose. It's interesting, hard to explain, but it's not. The third idea doesn't oppose either of them. Doesn't fully agree with them. It's like a a yes and type of deal. Um, but that's that's dualism, and we'll talk some about dualism. And you can hear it a lot in speech. I I mean, I'll do it too, just because it's so commonplace when we say things like, um, it's this or that, or this or that, heaven or hell. Um, it's always very this or that. You know, be happy or sad. Well, can I just like be regular? Can I just like have a day where I just like, yeah, I'm I'm doing it today. And I mean, like, I think any day you're here, you should be happy, but you can't just should yourself to happiness. Don't should on yourself. Um, and then I guess for what are we doing here? We can, oh, my wife is opening beer on my podcast. It's okay. I already told them about the cannabis. They stick through my my uh, shysty intro and then this uh, secondary, then they're they're hooked for good. I can't get them gone. They are definitely podcasters. We're going to end with a fun parable that I actually heard from two different people, so I won't even say which because I don't know which one I heard it from first. But it's uh, supposedly about Rabbi Akiva, who was uh, a first century Jewish rabbi that actually lived right where Jesus did, but he was after, he was born after Jesus died. A little bit of water for me. And uh, one day Rabbi Akiva was walking along the beach, uh, I believe he was near the Sea of Galilee in the city of Capernaum, which was a Jewish fishing village. And uh, he was reciting some some prayers to himself, because like I mentioned earlier in the episode, when this Rabbi Akiva, which you're not a rabbi till like, you know, 30s, 40s, near the end of your life, um, this rabbi was 30 or 40. So at age 10, since he's a, a good Jewish boy, a very good, he's a rabbi, at age 10, he already had the first five books of the Bible memorized. And then since he was a really good boy, at 13, he had the next, uh, I think it's like five or six, but uh, he's got like 30 books memorized, this Rabbi Akiva. This isn't part of the parable. <laughs> Uh, but I like to give some some context. Why is this guy walking around with no book, speaking from the middle of Isaiah? How can he do that? We can't do that because our brains function with paper. But he's reciting a verse from uh, Isaiah. It doesn't really matter which one. It's uh, just speaking about uh, the Lord speaking to the Israelites and bringing them out of oppression. And he was very focused on it, meditating on the verse. So he actually got distracted as the sun went down. And instead of going and taking the right turn at his fork, he took the left turn, and he ended up at a Roman fortress, which at the time, first century uh, Jewish culture, think about Jesus, he clashed with the Romans, didn't, um, well, you know, you can argue how well he made it out of that, but definitely lost the first fight. He won by losing is my argument, but lost the first fight. So Rabbi Akiva has shown up to the wrong place, very clearly. He was supposed to go off to his Jewish village, he has made it to Roman doors. Uh, he makes it to the Roman doors, and there's a centurion before Rabbi Akiva even realizes what's going on. A centurion yells down at him, which was a, a Roman soldier of the day. And um, I'm sure you probably knew that, but I like to give background for the culture of the time. Because we wouldn't call them a centurion. We would say, like, a sergeant or something. But 
Centurion yelled down to him and he said, Who are you and what are you doing here? And Rabbi Akiva said, What? <laughs> and the guy said, I, I, like, I've always heard it said like that. Not that the rabbi said something nice and profound. He just said, What? And the centurion said, Who are you and what are you doing here? And Rabbi Akiva said, How much are they paying you? The centurion was a little confused because people don't question the Roman government. They just answer. He said, Two denarii a week. Two drachma, excuse me. And uh, I believe a drachma was about day's wage at the time, so he was being underpaid. How much are they paying you? The centurion says, two drachma a week. And Rabbi Akiva says, I will pay you twice that a week to come stand outside my door and ask me those two questions every morning when I wake up. Who are you and what are you doing here? And seems to be episode two and the uh, the overarching idea of the, my podcast. What are we doing here? Who are we? What are we doing here? What is this cat that's staring at me? So many questions to dive in and explore, and I hope you explore them with me. Um, I love and appreciate you, because if you're listening to this podcast right now, then you care by some degree. So thanks so much, guys, gals, both and neither. I will catch you on episode three.